Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome to the POD cast, the emergency session. Wee woo, wee woo. Emergency session of the Pride of Detroit podcast. We are here. We've got a lot to talk about. And you know, if there's ever a mid season or midweek, I should say, podcast, some news have broken and some news indeed have has broken. Before we get into all that, my name is Jeremy Rice and I am your interim adequate host. We'll see. Uh, Semi-adequate host. Semi-adequate host. Uh, I also manage prideofdetroit.com. You can find me at Detroit on Lion on Twitter. With me today as our interim guest. I don't know I don't know how to introduce anyone anymore, but you'll probably be hearing a lot from him now that we're into the offseason. It's your your draft guru, your Raz expert. Um, is, is that how you pronounce it, Raz? Yes. That's how I pronounce it when I'm Hardest. referring to it. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Kent Lee Platty is with us at MathBomb on Twitter. Kent, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic, man. Glad to be starting off the new year in a in the right kind of kind of mindset, right? Yeah. Working sure. hard. Absolutely. Um, let's get straight into it. Um, the Detroit Lions made a bunch of coaching staff changes this week. Um, first, they laid off six coaches, uh, which included their special teams coordinator, John Matamago, linebacker coach Al Golden, uh, their strength and conditioning staff, their defensive backs coach, their tight ends coach. Everyone got up in arms because Paul Pasqualoni wasn't fired. Lo and behold, a couple days later, him and Jeff Davidson, the offensive line coach, stepped down. Um, sounds like they are uh, stepping away from football for a little bit. Um, and now everything is right in the world for it's a bunch of Lions fans, except for my dog playing with a squeak toy. Uh, but let's start with Paul Pasqualoni, because that's obviously the big news of the day. Um, steps down to be with family. Kent, are you buying this? No, we we, we talked about that before uh, we, we started on here. But yeah, it's, this is your, your typical. We don't want to fire the guy. You know, this is this is. Uh, Matt Patricia's mentor. He's the guy that, that helped him get into coaching. So it's just him throwing him a bone and saying, Hey, we're firing you, but we're not really firing you. Um, I'm not sure if that's a similar situation with Davidson. You know, there, there's, you know, anytime somebody says they're stepping away to be with family, there's always the chance that it's just that. Right. Sure. But the writing was clearly on the wall here. They said that they wanted some serious changes their staff and that's the worst side of the ball. If they were going to fire John Bonamago, they better fire Pasqualoni. Right. So letting, letting him go, you know, is, is just them doing right by him, I guess. Yeah. And obviously him and and coach Patricia have a a very strong link, a very strong bond. It was kind of Pasqualoni who gave him his first real shot, obviously wants to, to let him leave in a dignified way. Not that necessarily getting fired is undignified. It happens all the time in the NFL. But we're talking about a guy, Paul Pasqualoni, who a month ago said, I plan on coaching. 
I have a family to feed. I have kids going through college. Um, I have no intentions of not coaching. And then uh, a month later, he says he wants to be with family. A little bit odd. You know, I don't want to jump to conclusions. I don't want, um, I mean, we saw what happened when, when someone did that and Snacks attacked them on Twitter. Uh, but, you know, you, you put the dots together. It does seem odd that he was, uh, uh, he stepped down when he said specifically a month ago that he wouldn't. Um, but before we get into like replacements, things like that, um, are there any of these firings that um, surprised you at all? Because I think there were a couple on the list that maybe surprised some p- other people out there. Yeah, getting rid of the strength and conditioning coaching and assistance makes complete sense. This team was riddled by injuries and has yep. been quite a bit. So that made total sense. Firing Al Golden, total sense. The linebackers were a dumpster fire. They were horrible this year, easily the worst unit in the NFL. They never showed any sort of progression. They never showed any signs of getting better. Getting rid of him makes total sense. And then the tight end coach, because same thing. Nobody, nobody showed any kind of progression as the season went on. If anything, they seemed to do worse at points in the year. So all those made sense. Um, after the first couple of games, we thought John Bonamigo was going to be gone mid-season. We didn't think he was going to even right. last the whole season. This the start of the season was a disaster. It was so many penalties, and the special teams unit as a whole was just awful. Uh, but he cleaned it up a lot as the season went, so that was a little bit surprising that they decided to just part ways with Bonamigo uh, after one year. You know, he he had a pretty good unit by the end of the year. Uh, you know, Sam Martin was, I think, was it third or fourth in the NFL for – uh, average return yards for punts it is a really good coverage unit as a whole. Of course, Jamal Agnew uh, had a punt return and a kick return for a touchdown, and Matt Prater's as money as he's always been. So the the basic part of the units are strong, uh, but how much of that is coaching? I don't know. But that one surprised me a little bit. But I've heard people make a case that it's just his co- career as a whole. You could make an easy case for him to be gone. So uh, a little bit surprising, but most of them make sense. Yeah, I think Bonamago is definitely the one where most people were scratching their heads. I don't know. I wasn't completely impressed with the special teams. I think at times it was working really well. There was an article I put out about three quarters of the way through the season where the Lions were doing that thing where they're kicking it short of the end zone, um, trying to stop people before they got to the 25-yard line, and it was working really well. But towards the end of the season, I thought the coverage units actually got a lot worse, and I actually put a tweet out there like, they gave up a big touchdown, I think it was to, to Washington on a kick return. They gave up a couple 50-yarders after that. So um, I think it just didn't finish strong. And again, it, it's really hard, really with any of these things, to separate coaching from results. Even, I think, with strength and conditioning. Like Obviously, the Lions had a lot of injuries this year, but how much of that is bad luck? Is it fair to throw your strength and conditioning staff under the bus? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're just doing it to save face. I mean, we heard Bob Quinn say earlier in the week that, you know, we're not blaming injuries, but we had 16 people go on IR. So um, yeah, there's always know, it, some kind of scapegoating whenever you have a, a staff absolutely. that basically gives in, gets an ultimatum that they have to start showing results. You know, somebody has to go. Exactly. And so these six slash eight people were, were the ones that, that had to go. Um, the one thing I, I want to point out um, before, again, and, and in the second segment, we'll get to a bunch of guys who we think might be replacing some of these people. Um, Pointed out by ESPN's Mike Rothstein, um, when Matt Patricia came on board in in 2017, uh, sorry, 2018, he hasn't been here three years yet, uh, only two of the coaches now remain from that year. Linebacker coach Bo Davis, wide receiver coach Robert Prince. That's a lot of Everyone turnover. Everyone else is gone. That's, that's, that's a lot, a lot of, turnover. of turnover. And 
what's interesting to me is that I can't remember if it was Bob or if it was Matt um, said this week, you know, we talk a lot about the overturn for new coaching staff in terms of roster and, and players and how much, you know, that can take, especially if you're kind of doing a full rebuild. Um, the same goes for coaching staff is what they were saying. You know, like, I think that's an underrated part of a regime change and a full culture change is that you're going through a lot of coaching changes, a lot of different names. And we saw some of those guys get held over from the Caldwell regime. Most of those guys are gone. Um, and, and now even Bob Quinn's first round of hires or Matt Patricia's first round of hires, I should say, um, a lot of those guys are going out the door. So um, it, it's interesting. We're kind of running out of excuses here though. Like, okay, you're, you're starting to get your coaches. Okay. You're starting to get your players. You got to produce results now, right? Absolutely. You know, the, the offense being carried over from Caldwell's time, that was pretty much a universal, everybody kind of knew that was a mistake holding over a lot of those guys, you know, and it proved to be a mistake, but the fact that they've had to let so many other defensive guys go, that is a really huge red flag for the preparation. Um, in that though, I remember having conversations about how a lot of these guys seemed like they were slapdash hires. They were guys that they just knew from before and, you know, guys that, that they had connections to. A lot of it seemed like this was just guys that they were bringing in to be yes men to the coach. You know, my, my biggest critique with Paul Pasqualoni when he got hired is that I didn't know what his actual purpose was right. because his his scheme was was not the same as Matt Patricia's scheme. And this was Matt Patricia's scheme. That's what they ran this year. And it's whether he was involved in design or just the play calling, you know, I'm not sure what his total role was. So he definitely needed to go. So, you know, there, if, he, if he's not providing a benefit, the only thing he can really provide is a negative. And the, they were one of the worst defenses in the league. So whatever benefit he was providing wasn't enough. You know, maybe they needed to just get a louder voice in there. Maybe they needed to get somebody with a, a bit more push to try to make things better, try to, to point things out that are wrong, to try to tweak that design. If Patricia wants to run his own defense, that's fine. But he needs to have somebody there who's not just going to be like, yep, great job, coach. Yep. You know, maybe, maybe that's part of what they had is they, they had a lot of people that were there to do a very specific role and they weren't really standing out in any meaningful way. Sometimes you hire guys just because you think that they're going to be okay with you. And maybe that's what we're just seeing is now he's, he's understanding that, okay, now I need to start bringing in guys who are going to really push back, who are going to try to do something different. Push back like the doggo. Yes, like the dog is currently <laughs> pushing me on my literal back. Um, well, yeah, I think that brings a, a good point to to kind of connect it to their offensive coordinator search last year, right? I think we were all expecting him to go somewhere with the Patriots, and then he kind of goes completely off the board, uh, gets Daryl Bevel, and by all means, that was maybe the most successful thing that, that Matt Patricia has done since he's been in Detroit. So the question becomes, does that happen on defense? Now, I think my initial idea is absolutely not. This is Matt Patricia's defense. He wants the defense to look how he wants it to look. He's a defensive coach, so he's not willing to necessarily go out his comfort zone like that. But like you said, maybe he's he's learned that he needs someone that's going to push back, provide his own thoughts, not completely change the scheme, but at least you know bring his own new ideas to it. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I, I hope that's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. um, I, every time I've talked about this, I've said the same thing as I'm worried that he's going to hire another yes man. I'm worried he's just going to hire another person who's going to do the same stuff that Pasqualoni did. Just look better doing it. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know right. what he's going to do. 
But I, I was worried. That's my concern is that I don't know that he's going to bring in somebody who's going to really challenge not just Matt Patricia, but the players on the defense to, right. to really put some onus on those players to get better, to do better, to, to get better as they're playing. And we didn't see a whole lot of that. A lot of the guys that played well, played well all year. They didn't get better. They didn't improve. They got a lot of guys that played worse. They didn't get better either. They either got worse or stayed bad. So I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I'm hopeful that, like you said, he does try to get somebody that pushes back and, and tries to, to improve things, not just schematically, but from a personnel standpoint, putting the right people out there and putting some accountability on the players that are on the field to do better from a play-to-play basis. Yep, and uh, the the one thing I want to bring up before we we head over to break and then talk about some candidates for replacing some of these guys is a point that EDK brought up in in the chat, and that's the fact that this team is coaching the Senior Bowl now in about two three weeks. So does that mean they have to expedite the process here a little bit? Do they need to kind of hurry it up, find a guy that maybe I mean they can't obviously can't hire any of the guys still in the playoffs right now. So Senior Bowl happens before the Super Bowl happens. Um, so if they're relying on someone, you know, let's say in the Patriots or, or whoever, um, a lot of good defenses in, in the playoffs still. So if they're planning on coaching guy from one of those staffs, they could be in trouble here. Do you think they kind of expedite the process here and, and just kind of get who's available right now just because they have to? I think they might already know who they want. I think yeah. part of the reason that, that Pasqualoni wasn't announced earlier was that they might already have a, a short list of guys that they really want to look at. I think that they already have in mind who they would like to get. And they're probably just putting them in order. I don't know that they have to expedite it because we're talking about the defensive coordinator and Matt Patricia is a defensive coach who runs his own defense. So I don't know that they have to expedite it. Um, But if they do, I don't think it's them rushing to judgment. I think it's somebody that they already knew that they want. Okay. I got one more question because you brought this, this thing up to mind. I've already seen some people, including myself, suggest it. Is there any chance the lines go without a defensive coordinator? in 2020 it's possible um a lot of a lot of head coaches that ran one side of the ball or the other they'll call plays on their own and the the actual position of offensive or defensive coordinator depending on the coach is mostly just a ceremonial one and that's possible but he also fired a good portion of his defensive staff yeah and if he was going to do that i feel like he would have an internal hire they would just hire somebody internally to do that and then you would just have them run it but I don't think that that's what they're going to do. It's possible, but I doubt it. All right. Well, when we come back, we are going to talk about potential replacements. We're going to mostly focus on defensive coordinators. because That's the big job out there on the market. We might get into some of the other positions, too, because uh, there are a lot of hires that the Lions are potentially going to have to do. So when we come back, we're going to talk about all of that and more. Stay tuned. All right. Take a minute here. Yeah. <laughs> People are talking about that 538 article by Ty. He did kind of a deeper dive on the close games thing, the, the 50 50 yeah. chances game. And I, I haven't actually read it yet, but I, I saw I saw Lions Wire put an, an article on it. Saw Eric talking about it, how basically this team is pretty close to being a 9 and 7 team or, you know. That's I told that's a, I talked to you guys about that earlier. That's one of the reasons I'm I'm writing those articles that I wrote because the as as much as this team sucked so bad at moments, they were always so close yeah. to not being a shitty team. And well, yeah, they and just they just got backbreaking problems. Not not to pat myself around the on the back or, or promote my own thing, but 
one of one of my own favorite lines from from my article where I was defending the decision to keep him was that Jim Caldwell was a bad co- was coaching. Oh, now I'm going to butcher my own quote. Basically, the Jim Caldwell teams were a bad team masquerading as a good one, whereas Matt Patricia's teams are a good team masquerading as a bad one. Really, yeah, that's and, accurate. And really, just mediocre teams. I should say a mediocre team masquerading as a good one under Caldwell, a mediocre team masquerading as a bad one under Patricia. I don't, I don't really see the teams as that different. Obviously, the the record is really, really bad, but. Caldwell had Matthew Stafford for eight games. All eight. All I, I think what they're, I think the approach is different. I think the results are pretty much the same. I mean, the win loss record is obviously what people are going to focus on. Yeah. But the last two nine and seven Jim Caldwell teams, they didn't look like teams that were going to last in the playoffs anyway. And I honestly was surprised they even made the playoffs in when they did. They just, they just weren't a good, they weren't good teams. Yep, they couldn't do what you needed to do fundamentally as teams. And Patricia's, they just fall apart. They just, he just can't hold everything together. It's like he's trying to slap everything together with super glue and hope, and neither of those things are holding up. Yeah. And that, I mean, to me, it's just kind of, and I don't know if this is a coaching thing, if this is just like the personnel, but to see them kind of blow every game in the exact same manner is, was wild to me because of what the way the NFL is, those games are mostly 50-50 coin flips. Like mm-hmm. You just never know what's going to happen. One fumble can change everything, but every single close game seemed to play out the exact same, and that's that's crazy to me. Like, I, If it I weren't for the uniforms, if you were to put any moment from the Packers' two games together, it would look exactly the same. Those were the yeah. exact same football games. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. I think we're going we're gonna to be ready to jump into the second... We'll talk about some of the guys you're, you're throwing in the chat, like Wade Phillips is a guy we'll talk a lot of, a little bit about. Uh, Brett Bielema was on, on my list, so we'll talk about him. And then uh, I know Kent has a couple of guys that he wants to talk about as well. So um, stay tuned. And we are back with the POD cast, our emergency version where we're talking about all of the Lions players, all Lions coaches who have been let go or stepped down. We've got eight vacancies now. Now it's time to talk about some of the guys who may fill those positions. And we're going to start with defensive coordinator. That's the big one. Um, There are a lot of articles already out, including ours, talking about potential candidates to replace. I think some of us may have seen this move coming, whether it was a step down or a firing. but let, let's get right into it. I think, I don't know, Ken, who do you want to start with? Do you want to start with like a popular name that's out there? Or do you want to start with a realistic name? Because those are often very different answers. <laughs> well, let's start with one of the popular ones. So you, you mentioned Brett Bielema, uh, which, you know, obviously there's a, a Patriots tie there. But Brett Bielema is a perfect fit for what this team wants to do on, on the football. It's also a good fit for what the team sucks at doing right now, which is providing <laughs> pressure Yep. And, and doing anything really up front, being able to, to get any pressure from the front. Uh, Bielema was, was famously running the Arkansas uh, front. He ran Wisconsin at one point. Those are both com- teams that had a, a very strong defensive line showing. And he's just known for that sort of thing. 
The Lions have a lot of problems getting any pressure from the defensive front. Bringing in somebody with that as a specialty makes total sense. Um, I don't know how realistic of an option it is, but he's, he's definitely somebody that you could look at. It would be a change in philosophy, I think, a little bit for the team if they were to bring him in. I don't know what his defensive scheme would look like or whether it would just be echoing a lot of Patricia's stuff. Yeah, I, th- I honestly, I think I, I'm, it would be a hiring that I would be fine with, not one that I'd be totally psyched about, but I do think um, you're definitely going to see a lot of the same things you see now, hopefully with just a little bit more aggression, because I don't know if you saw that ridiculous uh, chart from PFF today that showed the amount of time to throw that defenses are letting up versus pass rushers. And yeah. the lines are way in the corner by themselves where they're they're <laughs> rushing the fewest passers uh, on average. And the time to throw is almost a f- two-tenths of a second more than anyone else in the league. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. So Bielema is a guy that I think makes sense. He does have the Patriots style, though he's never worked directly with Matt Patricia. Um, I, I think the question is whether the, the Patriots would let him go. They, they typically let guys go. But he's a guy that I, I could see them maybe giving a little bit of a promotion to, like adding a defensive assistant title or something like that to keep him around. Right. Um, yeah. Let's let's stick with the Patriots, and we're going to move to maybe the more unrealistic option, but one that I think Lions fans, for whatever reason, have really held on to, and that's Jared Mayo, the, the former linebacker who's now the Patriots linebacker coach. This is his first year as a linebacker coach. First year as any coach. His, his, career, his playing career just seemed to have ended. Um, is defensive coordinator too big of a jump for a guy like this this early in his career? I think so. He's he's thirty three years old right now. He's he's yeah. not age. a whole lot younger than me. A little bit younger than me. I don't like to think about guys getting that much <laughs> jobs when I'm not. But uh, you know, he's he's a very young guy. Uh, he's very sharp. I've, I haven't seen anybody say anything bad about about Jared Mayo. He he seems to be very popular. He seems to be very well respected. And I think a lot of people agree that he's an up-and-coming coach. He's a guy to watch as the years go by. But years, plural, we have to at least string a couple of those together before we start jumping on that kind of a bandwagon. Um, I I think it's unrealistic to expect that he would make that leap to defensive coordinator in year two. And I think it would be unrealistic to expect much of a big change from what the Lions defense looked like this year if he were to take over. And that's, that's a lot less of a knock on him than it is just, you don't throw guys with that little bit of experience into this big of a fire. Yeah. But, but in, in his defense and, and in his defense with his fit in Detroit, Matt Patricia is a huge, 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 huge fan of the guy. I pulled this quote from him earlier in the year. I think when he was talking to Patriots media, he said, quote, I have a long, great history with Jared. He's like a son to me. I'm just excited for him and his family. I know he's working really hard. He's extremely smart. He was a great player when I had him, and I know he's going to be a great coach. Um, those, those are pretty strong words, and yeah. you have to imagine the feelings got to be mutual if he says something like, he's a son to me. Um, and maybe, just maybe, he fills the linebacker coaching spot in Detroit. Um, I don't know why he would necessarily move from Patriots inside linebackers coach to Lions linebacker coach. Probably wouldn't. Um, hey, but some, some people like some people like building. Some people like being an architect, and sometimes you got to build something from the ground up. And there's very few lower floors than this linebacking core at the moment. Yeah. So, hey, maybe he's just one of those guys that wants to build something big. We can we can always hope because I think I think it would be an interesting matching, and I, I would like to see the Lions get kind of a young, kind of up and coming mind on their staff 
whether it's as a defensive coordinator or, or, you know, a position coach, whatever works. Um, the lines always kind of seem to be the, the team that's lagging behind on some of those cases, cases. Although I think Sean Ryan might be one, uh, one where the lines got right again. And some people have rightfully mentioned that maybe he's a candidate to be an offensive coordinator. So lines might not be done trying to find uh replacements, but let's move back to defensive coordinator. You mentioned off stream, one guy that would made my seven list that intrigues you very much. Who's that guy? So Perry Fuel is a guy that I've always liked. Yeah, he was a defensive backs coach for a long time. He was a defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, the New York Giants during one of their Super Bowl runs. Uh, he's currently coaching the Carolina Panthers as their their interim head coach. Uh, he was then an interim head coach twice in his career. Has never been a head uh, a full-time head coach, I don't think. But um, he's a guy that I really like. He, he's very uh, secondary-minded. Like I mentioned, he was a defensive backs mm-hmm. coach for a while. Um, he, he isn't a front seven guy the way that Matt Patricia has, has kind of taken upon himself. He's very much a secondaries guy. Uh, his defenses were good when he was with the New York giants, they weren't very consistent. Um, but I really like the way that he developed his players. I like the way that he called plays. I like the way that he structured his defense against the teams that he was playing. I've liked him for a long time. Um, since he got hired by New York, so that's like 2010. So very, very long time He's been like, dating yeah. myself again. Um, he's been around for a while, but I feel like he would be an improvement at defensive coordinator because I think he would push back. We've already talked before about how we think that that might be beneficial for this team. Harry Fuel's defense is nothing like Matt Patricia's. So we would either be looking at an actual schematic change or we'd be looking at some kind of merging of multiple philosophies. Maybe he would run Matt Patricia's scheme, but with the different philosophies that he ran with the teams that he ran, which were generally four-man fronts. Um I, I don't know that it would work out. I'm not. I'm not going to try to sit here and say that it would work out, but it would be. A, it would be very interesting to watch because I, I would love to see what somebody with that kind of mindset would do. And I definitely know he wouldn't. He wouldn't just sit back and be that yes man and do whatever you know, the the head coach says. I think he would push back a lot if the team was if the team was struggling. I think he would hold the, the players accountable for what they're doing. Um, he's he's a very good coach. I'd love to see him be a head coach somewhere. Um, but if not, defensive coordinator works perfectly fine for me, and it would be fun to watch what happens here. Fun might not be great, but <laughs> I would, I would, I think it would be personally. But yeah. I have very little to back that up, other than it would be very interesting. Right, and I, I'm with you that it seems like an un- unlikely hire for him to go so far out of his own. Not only just like not comfort level, and that he doesn't know him that well, but just one that's so drastically different than him. And I think. Everyone would agree, though, if he were to make a hire like that, you'd probably gain a certain level of confidence in Matt Patricia because the one criticism that he's gotten, and the one reason why we're sitting here with eight coaching vacancies to fill is that he's surrounded himself with yes men. He's surrounded himself with guys who think similarly. And the one evidence we have of him finally going outside of that box, as I mentioned before, is Daryl Bevel, and that seemed to work out really, really well. And I think we were all a little bit tired of Matt Patricia's system, at least with the curtain personnel that they have. So going going to make an outside hire like him, I think would be extremely popular amongst the fan base. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's a guy that, like Daryl Bevel, he's played against, right? He's a guy that he's played against in the playoffs. So it's it's. It's it's an interesting hire if it were to happen. I would be all for it. I would be the guy jumping on the table and, and talking about how great it is. If we do, if it does happen, I'm writing the article on. Okay, I'll allow it. Uh, while we're talking about Daryl Bevel, let's talk about the defensive coordinator that was opposite him 
in Seattle and another kind of popular name that gets thrown around all the time this time of year. And he's already actually interviewed for a couple head coaching positions. That's Chris Richard, who is the current Cowboys defensive backs coach. Although by the time you're listening to it, who knows what the Cowboys have done? Maybe they've fired everybody. Maybe everyone's returning. Who knows? Uh, but Chris Richard, a guy who was with the Seahawks for a while, um, defensive backs coach, defensive backs coach minded. A lot of people kind of credit him as, as part of the reason the Legion of Boom happened. Um, I think I may have even listed him as a coaching candidate in the past. Um, what are your thoughts on Chris Richard? Would you like him as a potential uh, Daryl Bethel reunion in Detroit? I would. And first, very similar reasons to why I like Perry Fuel in the first place. You're talking about a guy who's very secondary minded. Um, he does like to bring pressure with four man fronts. He likes his four man rush. Um, Chris Richard's a very good defensive coordinator, I think. I think he's a very good candidate. Um, I think that it would challenge a lot of the players that we have. And they've kind of been drafting similarly from a secondary standpoint to the kind of guys that they picked up back then, guys that are big and long, long arms. They like mm-hmm. their, their big, long-armed guys. They've already kind of been picking up some personnel that would fit that scheme. I don't know how the defensive front seven would look under Chris Richard. It, it seems like it's, it's a pretty big divide in what they're running currently and the type of stuff that Richard ran in both of his, his teams that he's been on the last couple of years. So uh, I think it would be interesting to see that kind of thing happen. I, I think it's one to watch if he comes in. Um, similar to Fuel, I think that he would challenge the players and challenge the coaching. So I, I, I would be a fan of that player. And maybe he can bring Quandre Diggs back. You know, <laughs> talk to I don't think that is ever going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. All right. The last guy I want to mention is kind of a wild card I threw into my top seven. I haven't, I haven't really seen him ever on any list. And I think part of it is just that there's a, there's a lot of people that don't want to pluck coordinators from the college ranks, but I think it kind of makes sense in terms of fit, in terms of comfortability with Matt Patricia. And that's Iowa defensive coordinator, Phil Parker. And so I did a little bit of a deep dive on him. A um, couple interesting things about him is that obviously he's, he's under Kirk Ferentz, who's a big, uh, who's got a big connection with Matt Patricia, but he's also been under Nick Saban um, back in, I believe his Rutgers days. Um, Parker typically ran a four three when he first got to Iowa. He actually took over someone who who else had who also had the last name Parker. I can't remember his name, but not related. Interestingly enough, but they've recently made a, a transition to a four two five, um, which is kind of similar to what the Lions do sometimes, depending on what you consider Devon Kennard. Um, but point being, he's a guy who, if Matt Patricia likes, he'll have great references to, to bounce ideas off of. He, he certainly holds some of the same, I think, tenets of, of how to play football that Matt Patricia does. And he's undergone a, a defensive scheme change. So he has a little bit of versatility to him. Um, I, I don't think um, he's going to be on a lot of candidate lists. I don't think he's going to get a lot of national attention. And I think the big question when you talk about college coaches is, are they willing to make the jump? Especially with a lateral move, a defensive coordinator do a defensive coordinator job. I think people don't realize how comfortable college jobs can be. That's why we see a lot of guys stay there for their entire careers. That's why Nate, Nick Saban hasn't jumped up again. He's doing fine in Alabama. That's why the, <laughs> so all the John Harbaugh rumors. Our are, perennial are, are, David Shaw. Is David Shaw going to leave his comfy multi-million dollar job in Northern California to coach some NFL team in Cleveland? No, right. not this year. He's He's comfortable. He ain't going anywhere. <laughs> exactly. And so I think those are kind of the both the NFL's, uh, you know, hesitancy to, to hire a coordinator at the college level because it, they are different games. I understand that. And the fact that college 
jobs are more comfy than than we we claim they are. Like if Phil Parker got a head coaching gig at the big level, maybe he would take a jump for that. But Lions defensive coordinator, I don't know. Is that is that much better of a job than Iowa defensive coordinator? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. No. <laughs> Not really, not not by far. Um, I think it's. I think he would be a, an interesting choice too. Uh, they do run a, a four-two-five, like you said, but a lot of the defensive linemen that they have are similar to the types of defensive linemen that Matt Patricia has favored. That's why Espinosa is being mentioned so much, mm-hmm. being mocked to the Lions because he fits that physical profile. So at the very least, you have a guy who's familiar with the types of players that Matt Patricia likes to use, which means he understands their strengths, their liabilities. Um, and he knows how to put guys in a position to to make plays. Um, their back end is not as strong, and I don't I don't know what we would do there. But we still got to hire a defensive backs coach too, don't we? Yep. Bring Tony Oden back. There you go. You solved Problem you solved. solved all of the Lions' problems. <laughs> um, yeah, and and while we're talking about some of those other positions, um, is there anyone you've got your eye on for any of the o- opening? jobs that are out there because there, there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of lines need to fill um no i've only just started looking at him i mentioned tony yeah. odin he was recently let go so he's a, a, a on the market again i i thought it was a mistake to let him leave in the first place so it would be nice mm-hmm. to bring him back i don't know how mutual their parting was i don't know whether there was any bad blood there but i would i would absolutely be thrilled to have odin back he did a very good job developing some of the players in the line secondary when he was here um, he's a very good coach. I'd love to have him back. He's he's the only guy that I've really paid too much attention to for all the vacant positions so far. Uh, you mentioned Sean Ryan as a potential to leave. I think that would suck if we lost yeah. Sean Ryan. He's a very good coach. Um, so I guess I guess bringing a guy back and not losing a guy we haven't lost yet. That's that's all <laughs> I've really paid attention to so far. Yeah, I think the the other kind of things that that have been speculated already is, you know, Jeff Davidson stepping down. We, we didn't really talk much about that this podcast yet, but um, the, the one thing to take note of is that the Lions still have an offensive line assistant coach on staff. He was one of the ones that was retained. That, man named, that man's name is Hank Fraley, um, who was recently hired by the staff. Um, I think he's definitely a potential to just get a promotion, and that's, that's it. Like Then they won't have an assistant offensive line coach, but they'll have an assist, uh, offensive line coach. As, as Zack Snyder says, Ron Prince is available if the Lions want to <laughs> somehow make their fan base even more angry at this point. Um, uh, no. But yeah, I, I think that's probably the most likely, like if you were to put odds on any coach replacing any position right now, I think Hank Fraley sticking around and getting promoted is probably the most likely thing to happen. Absolutely. And and I mean, I could see, you mentioned Robert Prince earlier. I could see him potentially taking over some of the tight end duties um, he's a very good wide receivers coach, but that's one of the areas, areas that they really need help. Um, I think that's a possibility, but I don't think that's nearly as likely as Fraley getting moved up. Um, I don't know that I, I know he's a popular name to move up right now. I don't know what the amount of struggles that they had on their offensive line as a whole, if if he would get that move. But a lot of that stuff had to do with that weird rotation that they were doing and then right. injuries. Just they've just dealt with injuries. So. Um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting name to keep an eye on and it, it won't be exciting by any means. Just like anything on the offensive line, it's never exciting. Right. Um, but it, it would but, at least be interesting. But to me, like, I don't know. I look at the offensive line play in 2019 and I'm not that upset about it, honestly. And you, you mentioned it in your kind mm-hmm. of positive things to look at in the offense. You know, the run defense, the run offense had flashes of being very good at times. 
And pass protection was actually better than I think most people give it credit for. Mm -hmm. Uh, You talked about Taylor Decker and how he finished the year. I'm not that upset about where the offensive line is at outside of the obvious personnel changes that might come with Graham Glasgow. But um, in terms of overall coaching, I think the offensive line was fine. So maybe this was truly Jeff Davidson just wanting to, to get away from football for a while. And if that's the case, then Hank Fraley makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we always talk about consistency on the offensive line. And that's, that's one of the most important aspects of offensive line play as a whole is keeping everything consistent. The Lions threw that right out the window this year. And was Kenny Wiggins better than Graham Glasgow when he was in? No, he was not. Um, but did you notice when he was out every time that he was out? No, not really. Most people wouldn't have noticed it watching the game unless you, like we do, look at the snap counts after the games. Most people right. wouldn't have even noticed that they were doing some weird rotation where they were pulling guys out and moving guys in. You wouldn't know. Um, there wasn't as big of a drop-off as I think many people expected, having seen Kenny Wiggins play before. So it, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation in that they did something really weird. I wouldn't say that it worked, but it didn't not work, as weird <laughs> as that is. You know, it, it wasn't such a huge, horrendous failure as many of us expected it to be if you would do something like that. And maybe there was some reason for it outside of what we know, which is almost nothing. Maybe there was some actual legitimate reason for it, for for switching the guys out, keeping them fresh. But I don't know. The offensive line played a lot better than people gave them credit for. It was, what, three of three of the Lions players on the offensive line ended up in the top 10 for PFF. It was Decker, Ragnow, and Glasgow. Yeah, I think that's so, right. Yeah, you don't, you don't see that very often. The 2019 Detroit Lions wasn't a total disaster. all right i think with that we are going to end this emergency podcast we will have our normal full podcast on sunday 8 p.m normal time we'll be talking probably a little bit about the bob quinn and matt patricia end of season presser we'll be talking some nfl playoffs we'll talk about going forward what's what's on tap for the off season so make sure you're around for that but for now thank you for joining us and we will talk to you later seaside star side i don't know i don't know how to say goodbye but goodbye everybody (laughs) 